Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Shedcast, brought to you by Putting It Together. My name is Elaine McNichol, and I am with you this season, guiding you through all things Shedinburgh. We are only on day three, and so I feel like I am still very much running on adrenaline. You know, when you start something and you don't know what you're doing, but you're doing something and you know it's all going to turn out okay deep down in your soul, but also you feel, you're feeling a wee bit unhinged, excited and hopeful all at the same time. Just me. Anyway, things are going swimmingly here at Shedinburgh and, and I'm just trying to enjoy every moment because I am super grateful to be here and a little bit unhinged at the same time. You can be grateful and un- unhinged at the same time, can't we? We can hold two differing things at once, I feel. <laughs> so, last night we had Funeral Flowers by Emma Dennis Edwards. And tonight I have just watched Rosa Hesman Howe perform her one-woman show, Madam Overy. I have been wanting to see Madam Overy for quite some time I think we may have some friends in common in and around Manchester. And so I seen the play kicking about on Twitter. It must have been about two years ago now or so. And I wanted to see it at the time. And I tried to get to see it at the Fringe in 2019, I think. Um, I can't be sure of the actual year, but I didn't manage to catch it. And so... I was buzzing when I seen it was on the lineup for Shedinburgh and I'm so glad I did. Madame Overy is a, an autobiographical one-woman show about Rosa's fight with ovarian cancer at the age of 23. And to write such a personal story takes so much courage. And to be able to write it with that like real light and shade I thought um she really struck the right balance between the light and the shade and the use of humor and it it was touching and it was humorous and I think you got a real kind of northern sense of humor coming through there which which I love that very dry dry sense of humor that was that was laugh out loud funny at, at more than at more than a few points and I think that t- it's it's a really, um, it's a class act, I think, to be able to write about something so personal and take us on a journey and tell us your story and also entertain and raise awareness and get people talking. It's, you know, representation in, in so many ways um, is, is so important and I think um, any young people going through you know anyone seeing that show would really feel a sense of empowerment from it and I think Rosa done such a a wonderful a wonderful job so I was I was great I was really grateful to have managed to see it if you're looking for tickets for future performances get yourself on to shedinburgh.com and don't miss any more you can't watch these again they won't be being streamed or anything like that so you just get on buy some tickets and and see the stuff that you want to see. You will find the full schedule on Shedinburgh.com and I will will tell you a few of the the acts coming up at the end of the episode once we have listened to my, my chat with Rosa. So, 
Now it is time for my guest of the day. It is Rosa Hesmanhal, and we are putting it together. So the last time I did um, the original production was May of this year. I did three nights at the Story House in Chester. Oh, fantastic. Um, yeah, and that was after a, a long hiatus from the show. So it was really nice to do it then and then to do it again today. And was that the the play with all your tech and... Yes, so the full kind of... Uh, full version of it that has a lot of projector kind of stuff a lot of voiceover a lot of music and movement and so obviously what we did today was like a much more stripped back version of it yeah amazing and obviously our audience will see this but just for my kind of nosy mind I don't know I'm going to say my nosy ears yeah. is that a thing I yeah, don't know yeah, absolutely um what is the video so the video the very special video that I like when I agreed to do Shedinburgh, I was like, okay, no tech, I can make that work, but there needs to be this one video because the show doesn't work without it. Um, and basically it's a video of me in hospital um, uh, as the kind of events of Madame Overy were happening in real time. Um, I'd like only been diagnosed for about a week at that point and I was only just feeling like ready to have visitors. Um, and my friends knew that kind of my hero was was Louis Theroux and they uh, got him to record this video. But the video that I show in the show isn't his video. It's the reaction that I have. Oh. So I'm like wearing this like pink hospital gown. My hair looks awful. And um, I think that Fabian's just showing me some kind of like promotional video of Louis Theroux being mm-hmm. like, hi, I'm Louis Theroux. And then he t- says, you know, and I've got a message for Rosa and just like, I just jolt out of bed and I just, yeah. And, and the reaction kind of is, it's a really special video to me because it's really like, the, I don't know, it made me feel so good that, that mm-hmm. time, like when I was feeling so bad the rest of the time, having just been diagnosed. Yeah. And what is your favourite Louis Theroux docu- documentary out of interest? So <laughs> it's a really, really good question. I really liked um, the three, I can't remember what, he called the series but it was like a three-parter and it was called something like um something about love it was like um uh, there were three separate ones and but there's this one within that which is about um uh people with uh brain trauma um and they basically um people who've had huge head traumas and brain injuries and their personalities change or they are in a coma and he like talks to all their family and just the kind of the way that the the way that he gets people to talk about things and like the way he shows humanity for like you know I could just watch them all day I often do (laughs) like they're so I think he has so much heart personally um and yeah these kind of awful things are happening in the world and he's able to find these these like beautiful pockets of love and and Mm. and humanity within all of that I think well we see that in your your piece as well how that in the end is what what stuck out for you can you tell us more about that or yeah yeah I so I basically wanted to do with this this play about um I wanted to tell the story of the uh, quite a unique story of what happened to me which is getting ovarian cancer at 23 Mm. but I didn't want it to just kind of be like 
describing what happened in detail and like the technical medical stuff I kind of wanted to um encapsulate like what had happened and how my friends and family had rallied around me and been so wonderful and and how you know I'd spent a lot of my time pre-cancer being really concerned with you know quite mundane things like if I people fancied me enough or like you know if I was gonna like get an acting job that I wanted and and you know all stuff that understandably but um you know without being aware of like the amazing things that were already Mm -hmm. in my life and and you know um being ill I kind of saw that stuff up close because everything else was taken away from me Mm -hmm. in a way um and you know my friends family the doctors and nurses that I met when I was in hospital they just like came through in such an incredible way um and I really wanted to do a play that was like a bit of a thank you to them I guess um yeah um so hopefully that's okay with the audience yeah it's it's fantastic I I absolutely I loved it I thought it was amazing um so when did the idea for Madame Overy when did it appear or when you know when what was the the seed mm. so I started writing a blog when I would just been diagnosed because it was a really useful way to like let people know what was going on without mm-hmm. having to reply to individual messages because I was really knackered and, and overwhelmed and so it was a really nice way to um kind of write out a big chunky blog post about what had been going on and then people could catch up like that but then I started really enjoying writing the story and found it to be really useful and a good way to kind of take control of the narrative um, myself Um, and people really liked the blogs and I was like oh I it makes the most sense you know I I just I'd have had to stop acting because I was poorly and so writing felt like the next thing that I wanted to try and do and and it made it was a lot easier to write from your hospital bed um and so I thought you know I've got to turn this into a show um and then so it was quite a an instant I think I think I knew from the beginning Mm -hmm. it was only when I met Adam Adam Small who's my like director producer friend like he Mm -hmm. it's just it's us two and our um lighting designer Holly who like go on the road mainly um and um he I met him in like 2018 the end of 2018 and he said you know I I saw in your blog that you might want to turn this into a show and if you ever want help just let me know because I've taken stuff to the fringe before I didn't have any idea how to do that put stuff stuff out into the universe yeah and it comes back it'll come back to you and it really did and he was he's just been incredible he's just been my saving grace through so much of taking it to the fringe and then going on tour and then the tours being cancelled because of coronavirus like he he's just been incredible and you know he he's not been involved with with Sheddenborough um due to various reasons and and he's now also isolating fabulous um, so but I've been very lonely without him today because mm-hmm. usually we're always together um and he also put together all the tech which obviously we luckily didn't have to use today um but yeah but he he was the main thing that kind of made me think oh I can do this you know I want to definitely do this and have you always been into writing is that something is that kind of something you've done for from a young age yeah definitely for myself like nothing that you know I would ever have shown anyone else like I just wrote a lot of really crap poems about you know like 
my fish or like <laughs> boys not fancying me and like you know episodes of csi it's a very real problem it is it's, it is. it's a real problem I, especially when you're 14 it's like such a beautiful way to like you know writing fucking haikus about like boys is it was what got me through why does he not love me it, it's so, <laughs> I, why I, do they not love me whoever they are exactly <laughs> what's what's their problem yeah um was what i was thinking at the time um but and then i when i you know got a bit older i started being like oh like you know this would be something i'd really like to try and do but i just didn't know where to start and i always was told that you know in terms of acting like if you could think of something you wanted to do other than acting then you didn't want to be an actor enough which is you know totally not the, not true that's an absolute nonsense isn't that nonsense absolute nonsense it, it's just because ridiculous. what are we supposed to do when a pandemic happens you know like, and also in life exactly life there's a lot more yeah, to life as there should be so i kind of had you know was kidding myself that if i didn't you know um if i if i relented and became a writer then suddenly i couldn't be an actor properly and um luckily you know being ill like gave me a kind of wake up call about that so um i suppose that's that's a that's a good thing in a way um and once i got the confidence to write more and more i felt really like oh okay this is really something i want to take more seriously and how did you feel having your first piece of full writing being something so personal mm. how did that feel it was hard for, at first but I really wanted to be like sure that like you know I I looked after my mental health and I'd done the therapy before I started writing it and before I started rehearsing it at least but I it was still very fresh when we first took it to Edinburgh in 2019 I was given the all clear in summer 2018 and a year afterwards we were in Edinburgh I was actually thinking what was because the time scale seems yeah because what 2018 mm. you were diagnosed yeah. and we're, we're in mid, mid 20 yeah 21 now so yeah. that's what three years yeah so it's been a real like journey in terms of you know of that but but doing the show and it being personal felt felt okay um I wanted to I knew that I had to tell that story and I, I felt good because I at least I knew what I was writing about mm-hmm. like um but it was it was there were times where it was really difficult to feel up for it on the day I was like oh god here we mm-hmm. go but actually after a while it becomes the play and it doesn't become your life so it, it's you know it feel I have feel like I have a very healthy relationship with the play which is good <laughs> thank god um and what's the most important thing about the piece for you for the audience about Madame Overy, mm-hmm. like specifically, mm-hmm. um, I think for me, I really wanted it to be. I think one of the the, the things I didn't realise would be so important actually is how many people I meet through it, and people that come up to me after the show who've had experience personally with cancer, or they've had a friend, or you know, it's one in two of us I think that are affected by cancer, mm-hmm. and it's it's been kind of amazing speaking to a lot of people i've met people who had the exact same type of cancer as me which is such a rare type of cancer um and having those conversations and people saying that it's you know helped them understand it more um has been has been really lovely um but even if you're not affected by cancer i I hope that the audience will find um stuff they can relate to especially the the idea of like how important love is and um i think 
also the idea of music that kind of runs through it and how important music is to humans Mm. um and like that getting you through like a tougher time absolutely Um, so what was what was the piece of music that you first cried to Mm -hmm. can you remember it and what was it i can (laughs) okay so it's a bit rogue so Atomic Kitten had Fabulous. this album. <laughs> oh, <stop>. <laughs> Brilliant, <laughs> I love it. Specifically this album. I can't quite remember what the the like top hits on like I I guess I would have probably been about eight or nine. So it might have been been whole again eternal flame but i have a feeling it might have been their sophomore album but anyway the final track on this album is called someone like me mm-hmm. and i remember the music video really well it's quite cheesy they're all in a white studio but the song is so beautiful and it's about letting yourself cry in front of people <laughs> and um i just was like I was like eight on my beanbag with my lava lamp going just weeping at this someone like me song I know I know (laughs) that's amazing at eight years old to have that kind of emotional maturity to be moved by music yeah thank you I didn't even find the Lion King sad soon people went on and on about the Lion King I was like what are these people talking about they're like the circle of life everybody his dad is thrown from a cliff and dies (laughs) I was like I honestly don't know what the problem is. I know. It's, um, yeah, it was definitely, I I remember it very, very vividly and well. And I remember being like, why do I find, why am I crying? But, but yeah. And and maybe it would still make me feel that way to this day. I don't know. Maybe I'll listen to it on the tube home. Music has, I loved, I loved all the stuff about music because music for me is, Mm. is so important Mm. as well. And it, it just helps in all, at at all times, Mm. Um, when you said about the the crying crying to music, I just this me- image or memory just came flooding back. It was um, Don McLean Vincent. Oh, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. And I I'm I, it was on my iPod Shuffle. Yes, you know the little yeah. white iPod Shuffle. It doesn't have a screen on it, and you just mm-hmm. clips to you. Yeah, yep, one of them. And I, th- I must have downloaded it just because I downloaded American Pie, obviously. Yep. Oh. Who doesn't love the that best song? Epic song of all time. And I was like walking down Nielsen Road in Paisley one day, and I just this song came on. Vincent came on, and I was like, was stopped by it. I was stopped in my track by yeah. tracks by it, and the tears just started. I love that, it's, and that's crazy that music does that to people, and so many people as well. Like. Um, you know whenever you ask someone like what their favorite song is the stories that come with it Mm -hmm. I just love it I think it's like such a uniting force of of humanity and humans and you know even if people aren't like super into music they'll be into a song or they'll Mm -hmm. have like a soundtrack to a film that they love like I yeah yeah and it always reminds you of it takes you to a very specific time yeah 2007 it was quite a good year yes for music so good for music mm-hmm. year I was 16 mm-hmm. and when I hear that music from 2007 I'm like yes it transports you back mm-hmm. doesn't it I'm like that with 2010 like I feel like 2010 what there was kind a of songs was that? that was like it was like <laughs> it was like when like I've got a feeling by the black eyed peas and oh, stuff yeah. so I just started going out I was like I'd 15 I think and so I just started like going on nights out and like me and my like girlfriends would listen to that whilst we got ready for house parties and yeah. stuff and, and yeah just 
proper youth music, you mm-hmm. know? The Killers, Mr. Brightside. Yeah, yeah of Love course. Of amazing, course, yeah. amazing. So what is your experience of... Oops, slapping my... Th- slapping my thighs that. there. <laughs> what is your experience of the Fringe like? Mm-hmm. Was that the first time you went with Madame Overy? As a performer, yeah. I'd been as, as a punter before and, and loved it, obviously. But it was my first time as a performer. It was incredible it was like the best month of my life um obviously there were lots of like it was stressful in lots of ways and I was so terrified that I'd accidentally written a really rubbish show that no one would like and I was Mm -hmm. like you know talking to Adam on the train up and I was like what if it's really bad like what (laughs) if it's really bad and he was like well you know you've just got to do it you've got to keep doing it for the whole month and I was like I don't know if I can do that and maybe it is some people might think it's really bad that's fine um but but luckily the response I got was not um people telling me to my face it was really bad and I actually had a really amazing time with it and and loved performing it and loads of my family and friends came to Edinburgh to see it and Edinburgh itself as a city and as a festival it was just the stuff that I was seeing like three times a day and the people I was meeting I just had the time of my life it was like I felt like I was on this kind of mad uni experience that I've Mm -hmm. never had where you just meet loads of like-minded people all the time it was gorgeous were you on every day yeah every day and what space were you in I was in Jack Dome which is just so brilliant it's like Pleasance Dome right in the corner um kind of really small but intimate space and like it was the way I mean it's hard to explain because what you've just seen was a very stripped down version but when we first started it it was just me a stand-up projector screen and that was it and it was all very like sometimes the projector screen would freeze or it wouldn't work there were a couple of real like technical hitches that we got to get through and now the touring version of, of the original version with all the the bells and whistles and lighting is a lot more kind of I don't know the production values increased slightly mm-hmm. um and so I feel very fond of that like memory of being in Jack Dome with with nothing but like this projector screen and 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 me running around like a like a mad person and uh, does the does the piece have a future what are you most looking for looking forward to now that we're emerging from yeah. the, the, the the big freeze I've never called it that before in my <laughs> life but we'll go with the big we'll go, with, go the, with the big freeze the big you know, freeze that's a very accurate because we were just all put on hold weren't we mm-hmm. so um so I don't know now I I keep accidentally saying yes to doing it again and again and every time I say I'm like okay but this will be the last time mm-hmm. I do it because it has been a long time now and I'm doing other stuff and writing new stuff and that I want to focus on um but because it's such a special piece and I feel really honored that people relate to it or want to program it or put it on because they know that or they think that people will relate to it and and enjoy it I'm always like oh that's so lovely yes of course I'll do Mm -hmm. it but it's been you know it's been three three years now since I was ill and um I'm ready I think to move on from it um as much as I probably could keep doing it again and again and enjoying it I think there's a couple of times in the play I say you know oh I'm I'm 23 like or I'm Mm -hmm. I'm 23 years old and like I'm I'm not that anymore I'm 26 so I don't know if I can keep doing it for that reason because it makes me think about you know reality a lot I'm like okay no I'm it's been a while so yeah I think maybe maybe 
write it in another form mm. write it for tv would be something oh, i'd really yeah. like to do yeah um, that's that sounds amazing thank you yeah hopefully we'll see no definitely i've really really enjoyed it and i was so great i was so buzzing when i seen you on on the shed and brush yeah. shed schedule schedule yes schedule. Yeah, that's a mouthful that shed and brush schedule because i had seen you all over twitter from manchester people so it kept popping up and i was like oh i want to see that i want to see it and i was at the fringe not last year not year last before year. rest in peace tried to see it obviously didn't get to so yeah. i was buzzing oh, to I'm see so it glad. i'm so glad you managed to see it in this like lovely cozy intimate form of shedinburgh as well it felt like such a special place to get to do it as well um yeah great well thank you thank so you. much thank for chatting so much. to me it's been a pleasure see you later in a bit bye, bye. what a lovely conversation that was I absolutely loved the the part about as, as soon as I heard her saying about crying to a song I was like I need to find out I need to find out what that song is because I as you heard had the exact same experience with with a piece of music and it was even better that it was Atomic Kitten I absolutely loved that so it just shows you music can move us in mysterious ways so if you're looking t- for tickets for any more of the Shedinburgh Fringe Festival, get onto shedinburgh.com and buy them because you can't see the shows otherwise because they will be going up once at the time they are scheduled and then that will be it. They will be gone. So get on there and get your tickets. This might entice you to go and buy some tickets. So in the next few days, we have Harry Hill's Noise and we have Spoken Word Poetry by Zia Ahmed, Casey Bailey, Katie Greenall and Sabrina Mafuz. So get on there and get your tickets. And tomorrow, we have Iphigenian Splot by Gary Owen performed by Sophie Melville. It is not to be missed. So that's it for another episode of Shedcast, brought to you by Putting It Together. Bye-bye.